Hello, beautiful people. <laughs> you find your way back to your seat. Give someone a high five or a hug on your way back. <laughs> Thank you, Mike, and the worship team. I wanted to introduce... Mike, can you come down here for a minute? <laughs> Mike and I are brothers. Yeah. He called or he texted me this morning, hey, you got to wear your shirt. Yeah, come on up, Mike. Come here. Yeah. Welcome to the family. Go ahead and take your pictures quick. Yeah. <laughs> I got more shine on top of mine. But we love you, Mike. Thank you for who you are and your family. If anyone would like to purchase a shirt, you can come see Mark and I after church. We'll, uh, we'll hook you up. Yeah, team Jersey. All right. Amen. Well, you're you know, probably we, wondering we, about we this. We do this uh, because of, of Papa Kevin, right? Papa gets it from Papa Ken. Papa Kevin dresses this, this craziness, and he says I have to roll my sleeves up so I see. I mean, I, I don't know how the rules, but I'm doing it, Rev. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Praise the Lord. Looking good. Wow. Well, before I begin, I just want to just give you a simple uh, prophetic message uh, from the Father. And that simple prophetic message is that the Father loves you. And that before we get into the Word, God always wants to start with the simple things, and that is that above all else, He loves you. And He calls you His favorite. Can everyone say, I'm His favorite? You know, we grow, up, we grow up thinking, you know, we're not supposed to act like that. We're supposed to have some sort of false humility as Christians and uh, just get by. But God says you're his favorite. And we got to learn to be generous receivers and accept the unconditional love of a good and gracious father. Our job today is to focus on our father above and to receive all of his goodness and the things he has for you. So are you ready to receive that this morning? Amen. Well, I want to also thank uh, Kevin and Sherry, because if they didn't email Katrina and I when we were in uh, Uganda, we wouldn't be here today. And when we got that email, that, and Kevin said, you know, why don't you guys pray about maybe next year coming out and joining us on staff, or at least seek the Lord and see if it's his will. And I remember sending an email back quickly saying, I think it is, but we'll pray about it. <laughs> we were very excited about that opportunity. And uh, this weekend, we're celebrating nine years of life together in, in here in the city. And really today, I want to share my journey uh, with the Father, Father God, because, see, what happens over time is we start with something simple, and that's when I was about four years old, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior into my life. I asked him, I said, Jesus, come in, take away the sin, and take me to heaven one day. He was a Savior. And I knew Jesus from that day, and the Holy Spirit came into my life. But when I was about uh, 18 or 19, I decided to seek God for myself when I was at a Christian university out west. And I encountered the Holy Spirit, and I had a revelation of the person of God, the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it was so much fun, and so convicting, and so wonderful. But there was a big hole in my heart. 
I had a Savior. I had the power and gifting of the Holy Spirit, but I was missing one special revelation, and that was a revelation of a loving Father. Now, I was born and raised by a loving, natural Father, and I'm so thankful for that, but I was missing the supernatural love of my Heavenly Father. And that's what we're going to talk about today is that third revelation. We have a revelation of Jesus as our Savior. We have a revelation of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, we have a revelation of a loving Father. You probably were looking at this, and I wanted to introduce you to my stepladder. I really never knew my real ladder. This is my stepladder. I never knew my real ladder. All right, can someone get this off the stage? It's going to bother me for the rest of the time. That's it, Kevin. That's, that was it. Uh, thank you, Adam. And, I was spo- and I'm supposed to tell you something from my wife as well. My wife's home with our daughter who's not feeling good. Uh, I've been working on listening and, and listening to her. I can't remember. I can't remember what she told me to say. Uh all right. Well, we better move on from these jokes, except for the one that, uh, that is my most important story. How many of you have been skydiving? Yes, there's a few. Not yet. I heard not yet. Well, there's a story of an older gentleman who finally got to go skydiving, and he, he went through all of his courses. No, it wasn't Kevin, whoever said that. I don't know who said that. That was... It was mean. So this older gentleman learns to skydive, and then he can finally do his solo jump. On his first jump, he jumps out of the plane, and he pulls the ripcord, and there's an emergency because the the chute doesn't come out, but he's well-trained, and he knows there's always a secondary emergency cord. So he pulls the emergency cord, and it's failing too. So he's screaming, flying down at terminal velocity to his death, and he looks down, screaming, and he sees this object coming up. And he's starting to squint his eyes, and he realizes it's another person. And as the person gets closer and closer, he screams. He says, do you know anything about parachutes? And the guy that's coming up goes, no, do you know anything about gas stoves? (laughs) And that's all I know about that story. So I love to have a sense of humor. I love to smile. Is it fun to be happy? You know, if you hung around people like Pastor Barry and, you, and he, he would teach you on the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, he would teach you on what that word blessed means. And you know what it actually means to be happy? And you know, as Christians, we get a bad rap. We said, well, you can have some joy, but be careful of that happiness. I don't think so. I think we should be joyful and happy. I like it. People ask me why. I said, it's just a lot of fun to be happy. I just, it's enjoyable. We all have bad days. But it sure is fun to be happy. See, I was born and raised by my parents out west in Spokane, and they provided for me. They gave me some security. They brought me to church, introduced me to Jesus. I had a, head, uh, a house over my, a roof over me. I had food on the table. I had loving parents. And that developed in me a couple things. One was happiness and two was security. How many need security in this world? My parents gave that as a gift through structure and, and boundaries. And you know what? It's refreshing as an adult to feel happy and secure. 
And that comes when you have loving parents. But how many know not all parents are perfect parents? I'm a parent, and I know I'm not perfect, and my parents would never claim to be perfect. They would give the credit to Jesus. They'd say, to the grace of God. And so today we're learning about the Father. We're learning uh, in this series how to live as sons and daughters. That's what the, in the kingdom of God. And as Mike said, it's hard to be a good son or daughter if you don't know who your father is. You know that identity is passed from a father. We know who we are by whose we are. Identity, both masculinity and femininity, is passed on and confirmed through a father figure in your life. And that is why our culture is all over the place, because we don't have clear, purposeful, loving fathers in our culture right now. But we're going to turn that around starting right here in this house, right? That's where it starts. It always starts in our house. So my last name and many of my attributes are passed down by my father, my physical shape, my people skills, my sense of humor. My dad's watching. I know he is. My, this comes from my father and, and from my mother. People who know me, once they meet my dad, they go, aha, I get it. So when people meet you, they should say, aha, I know who the heavenly father is. I know who Jesus is now. I know what heaven's going to be like because I spent time with this person. When I came into your business, I found out what the presence of heaven's like. When I met you, I found out what God is like because you got your attributes from him. So our father will be our focus today, our heavenly father. And the best way to know a heavenly father, the heavenly father, is always through one specific way. The Bible is really clear. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. There's only one way to the father, and that's to know Jesus Christ. And that's why you'll hear, uh, whether it's encounter or worship teams, you'll hear people talking about it's time to get your Bible out. It's time to get in the word because the written word is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the perfect revelation of the father. So we want you to get this inside of you, lots of it inside of you, so you can begin to think and act like your father. So it all starts with the simplicity of repentance. When I was four years old, I repented. I said, I can't do it, Jesus. I need, you know, it's so funny, at four, I mean, he was getting me ready, wasn't he? He had to start early. At four years old, I knew about sin. At four years old, I knew about I had to have Jesus as a Savior. I don't know why that preacher was so good, but he was preaching, and I had to get right with God at four years old. And I prayed one day. I said, God, why did you have me get saved at four? And he said, because I have a lot of work for you to do, and I needed to start early. I said, okay, Father. See, it's a trust relationship. We all have a different story. But the door is always open through Jesus Christ to the Father. And repentance means that you have to confess that you don't have it all together. You are not God. You don't have the power, the, the, the strength, and the wisdom, and the righteousness, and the holiness to go to heaven on your own. So you say, I don't have it, but Jesus, you took my place on the cross. I believe in you. You be my Lord and Savior. I will follow you all the days of my life. I did it at four years old with a child's prayer. You can do it today. See, in Hebrews chapter 1, it talks about God who at various times and in various ways spoke in the past to the fathers by the prophets. But as in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. 
whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and the upholding of all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So if we want to get to know the Father, we got to get to know the Son. In Colossians, it goes on, it says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, that's Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. So that's why we have to go back to Jesus every time. We have to make Jesus the center of our lives, because he is the exact representation of the Father. People say, well, what's God like? Look at Jesus. How do you look at Jesus? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This is not rocket science. Just keep it simple. Read your Bible. I want to just jump right to this. Oh, no, I'll wait a little bit. Wait a little bit longer for this analogy here. So Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing, and I only say or speak what I hear the Father speaking. So before you go out of your little castle every day, Get down on your knees after you get into the Word and just say, God, what are you saying today and what are you speaking? Then repeat that when you go to work every day. Repeat that when you go to school. How many know in high schools in our area, a few kids could use some encouragement? A few kids have their head down. A few kids don't have loving fathers and mothers. But students, when you go into your schools, you can bring the kingdom of God with you. You can bring a high five, a hug, a smile, a word of encouragement And people go, really? I mean, we have testimony of some of our missionaries who were on their way to commit suicide, but some kid in class noticed them and began to talk with them. One of the ministers through uh, Broken Walls. He was on his way to commit suicide, but kids kept saying, hi, hey, nice nice, uh, hoodie, nice jacket. They started speaking his name. And he goes, why am I going to die? People are noticing me. He was that close. So I encourage you students to be like that. Be the life giver. Speak words of life over your friends. Everyone can tear down. Anyone can find the garbage. But will you be a treasure seeker? Will you look for the gold and call it out? It's a lot more fun. And that's why we are challenging you. And I'm challenging you. And and a lot of the leaders of the church have been challenging you to read your Bible every day. And this is the picture God gave me back in October I was trying to find a new Bible reading program for the year, and there was, you know, various ones online. And I said, well, maybe I'll do this one. And God stopped me. He said, Mark, you're a four to five uh, campfire log type of guy. And I, I didn't get the understanding. But at Wesley Acres, where we have a trailer, we do campfires. And God showed me a picture of putting the logs on the fire. And he said, Mark, each log represents a chapter in the Word, and you have to put at least four or five logs on the fire every day so I can throw the Holy Spirit fire in there and just burn. I want you to burn brightly. You have to give so much. I need you to be in the Word so much so that you can give so much. So I want to challenge you. Put some more logs on the fire and let the Holy Spirit just blow on it and fill it up. You, I'm not telling you what to read and how much to read. I'm not a legalist. I'm encouraging you just to read and let it wash over you. Let your campfire grow. The word Father is used 400 times in the New Testament. In the Gospel of John alone, it's used 118 times. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous message, it's noted 17 times the Father is discussed. 
in the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what we hear. Sorry, not what we hear. This is what is written. Father, 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 Father. But like me, I don't know if you're like me. This is what I heard all these years. God, 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 God. Do you know that he wants to be a personal father, but many of us put him as a very supreme high deity and a judge, and we call him God. See, father to me was just a title. It wasn't a relationship. And what we're calling you in at church is to move from titles to personal relationship. Through the help of Kevin and Sherry and many others at this church, I got a revelation that God is my father, my dad. And then, according to the scriptures, my daddy. Now, I don't know about you, but I get a little unsettled by personal words like that because it's not religious, is it? It's highly relational. And I thought you went to church, you know, your structure, you have your preaching, your song, your giving, and then you're good. But this is totally different when someone wants you to call them daddy. That kind of messes with your religious ideals. I guess he wants to get to know me a little bit better than what I thought. In fact, he doesn't want to judge me. That's what I was afraid of originally in my faith. He doesn't want to keep a score. You know what he wants to do? He wants to father me. Today we're asking God, will we give him permission to father us? Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When you repent of living life as your own God, when you get yourself out of the way and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become adopted. That's why we sang that song today, our adoption song. You don't cry out, oh, most holy, perfect deity of perfection and ultimate judging and fear. I bow before you. No, Jesus said, cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, God, or Daddy, Father. A little bit different. I was not raised on the Daddy God gospel. I wish I would have been. But now I have it. And once you have a revelation, we're responsible to pass it on to the next generation. Once we have the treasure, our responsibility is to give it to our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our co-workers. So what is it like to know God as a father? Have you guys ever watched those uh, YouTube videos and reels of when a soldier comes back and surprises their children from being gone for like six, eight months, a year, maybe even longer? And they go to their schools and they do those surprise things at the kids' school? Well, I'm kind of a, a, a reunion junkie. And I just get on YouTube and I hit play and I find all these things and they're 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I just get my Kleenex out. Where's the Kleenex around here? Anybody have Kleenex? Oh, it's on my stand. Okay, here you go. I just get my Kleenex, I hit play, and I just watch them. I've watched them for hours sometimes. And all it is is a father and mother coming home, and then you know, here's the, here's, I've, I've, I've actually got it down to a science, what happens. It's almost human nature exactly. Here's number one. Step one, shock. There's shock in the room. Step two, speechless. No one, they can't talk. But this is the child. Three, they usually start smiling, the shock, speechless, they're smiling, and then they start running. 
They get up wherever they're at and they start sprinting. Sometimes they start screaming. Sometimes they start laughing. But what happens when the connection happens? There is more tears and more waterworks than you can imagine. And it's usually the younger one crying. The parents often cry too. But that child, they often leap around their parents and almost tackle them. I've seen guys get headbutted by their kids and smashed over and almost knock their moms over because they're leaping and they, they grab legs around them and they just hold like this. And they bury their face and they start crying and crying and crying. And the father says, it's okay, it's okay. And the, and the little ones, they say, dad, why did you leave? Because they're like toddlers. They don't understand. That is what I'm talking about when God is a father. He's looking for reunions. He's looking for us to seek him. And he wants to surprise you and say, here I am, son. Here I am, daughter. It's our job to get up. And just start running and meeting him and jump into his arms. There's a paternal void in all of us. We were created to be affirmed, to be celebrated, to be honored, to be accepted, and to belong in a family. And that's what a father does. He confirms that and affirms that. Those Feelings of acceptance are not based on our behavior. But I like this. It's based on our bloodline. Our acceptance in Christ and in the Father is not based on our behavior, but it's based on the bloodline. And I'm not talking about your natural bloodline. That could be very good or it could be very not so good. But the bloodline of the Father through Jesus Christ is perfect. And when you get adopted into that, he puts you into the perfect family meaning perfectly loved family. And you get a new bloodline. And then he takes his blessing and his favor and his purpose, puts it all over you, and then you get to share it with your spouse, with your kids. I feel like some people here are ready for an upgrade and the revelation of the Father. I feel like a lot of you are already hungry for it and actually seeking it, but you could use like another 20, 30% top off. I know I do. I, I love coming here, uh, hanging out with Mike and Ryan and Adam or Pastor Aldi. I like to seek in more. There's got to be a little bit more because my heart starts aching. I'm like that kid waiting at school thinking my dad's gone. But then he comes home one day and my heart is aching for just a little bit more. There must be more. Right, Bob? That's why we seek him at the altars. We come, we ask God, there's more, there's more. And God loves hunger. He's attracted to it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But there's more than the things. We don't even want the stuff anymore, do we? We want his heart. We want to belong. We want to be a son or daughter. We want to be celebrated. We want to be honored. He made us for that. And we need a father figure to look us in the eyes and say how deeply proud he is of us. To affirm us and our purpose on this planet. Men without Purpose are like ships without rudders. They're aimless. They go pushing around. Some cultural thing comes up. Some philosophy of man comes up. And everyone's like, oh, I'm into this now. And then three months later, now I'm into this. Because there's no strong purpose. There's no father reminding them of whose they are and who they are. So if you find your life just going like this, back and forth, all over the place, it's because you have not found your clear identity and purpose through your father. Not just your earthly father, which would be great if you have one, 
But I want to give you the good news. The gospel of the kingdom is that there is a heavenly father that can be a perfect father where your father was imperfect. There's a place in your heart that God can heal where your father couldn't go because of his own imperfections. So if you don't have a father figure, I know of a dad with his arms wide open. I know of a dad with a table with an extra seat. Right, Mike? I've been to Mike's house. I knocked on the door. It was taco day, and they just let me right in, and I ate his tacos with his family. It was so fun. They didn't ask me, okay, fill out this form. They said, get in here and eat. We need to have places to go where the doors are open and the refrigerator is available. Right, Jonathan? At your house, I'm sure it is. It's got to have a, an open fridge, an extra seat. Here's another one. We need to have a dad that shares his bank account with us. I thought I'd get a lot of amens on that one. Victoria's like, hoo daddy. All the parents are like, Shh, quiet on that last one. Keep it down. I need to teach him responsibility. Okay, so the father has a bank account. And it says we have access to it according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We need someone in our life like that. There's countless other ways that we need to lean into a father to know that we're loved. And I'm asking you today to let your earthly father off the hook. Some of you, your earthly fathers have sinned against you and they've hurt you. I'm asking you uh, through Jesus Christ the power of Jesus to forgive them for their sins against you. Your father is not a perfect man. He will never be until he puts his faith in Christ and then one day Jesus will come back and he will be perfect at that point. But until then, please, I ask you, by the grace of God, humble yourself and just say, God, thank you for forgiving my sins and I in turn now forgive my father for his, your, his sins against me. Really simple. Just keep it simple. It can always go deeper than that, but start simple. Obey the word and forgive your father. Let him off the hook. Once he's off the hook, see, it's not the same thing as trust. It doesn't mean maybe you're best friends now, but you let him off the hook. And now you make room for your heavenly father. You say, Father, now that I've done business here, I'm, I open my life to you as my perfect heavenly father. Would you come now and show me all the things that my earthly father missed? I accept it in Jesus' name. And God, if you have other godly men and women to come help and parent me, I accept their love in my life as well. Show me. I, I ask for those people to come into my life and support me as a Christian family. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. You have this ache inside of you to be deeply loved and celebrated at the table. And that's what we find through our Father. See, this is an exciting thing. This is counterculture, but it's the whole scripture right here. It says this, the purpose of the Father is not himself. This is a wonderful revelation. The purpose of the Father is not himself. The purpose of the Father is others. Think about a father. What's their purpose? It's not him. It's not about me. The purpose of the Father is about you. Fathers are always thinking of other people. It's about their children. It's about who they can serve. Fathers are for others. And it keeps us as men out of trouble when we focus on others. How many know men don't do good when they put themselves at the center of their world? Yes. I think all men have been there. It might be fun for a couple years, and after a while, like, this is, this is horrible. 
This is not fulfilling. When I'm my own God, my own center, my own belly button here is only the center. I think about me. I do me. I focus on me. I save for me. That's not the gospel. The gospel is a giving gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. So you, as a father, when you get in touch with the father, you begin giving all the time. You give all the time because you don't, you're not worried about yourself. God said he would watch your back, so now you go and you watch other people's back. You step in and help. And I love learning uh, the Hebrew. This was really interesting. The Hebrew for father, it's pronounced ah, uh, uh, it's a, the letter's A-B, but av, and it stands for father, producer, supporter, and it was one of the earliest words that a Hebrew child could speak, especially in Aramaic, was, was av, av. And so that's where you get Abba or Daddy. It's the, ch- it's the child's form for Daddy in Aramaic. And because, you know, how many know what Strong's Concordance is as a teaching tool? Okay, some of you, it's a concordance, and it's every single root word in the Bible, Hebrew and Greek, been studied, analyzed, defined, and then they assign a number for it so you can study it. I, this is really neat. Did you know that Father is the first word in, in, in the in the Concordance and Strong's Concordance, number one. And why is that? It's because they go alphabetically and they go from Genesis to Revelation. So alphabetically, the letters A, B are pretty close to the front and it's in Genesis chapter two. So it's the number one Strong's Concordance is built on father. One thing a father is not is me, 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 me. If you're in the me trap, get out of it. And if you're really trapped, you're going to have to find some other people to help you out of it. Because a father is a source. Father is creator. Father is provider. Father is a protector. Father is a nourisher. It's really neat in the scriptures. When we pray to God, our Father, where does the Bible tell us to seek God and to pray to? Where does it say that God, our Father, lives? In heaven, right? What's the... uh, Famous prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Here's the deal. I think a lot of us are thinking of the Father, and have you heard our prayers sometimes? It's like we're praying like this, and God, you know, I think you can do this, and I'm sorry. You know, like we're mumbling, and we're talking to the dirt. God doesn't live in the dirt. Father is not some poverty-stricken beggar, who sometimes is like a, you know, a, a, a one-armed bandit at, in Las Vegas, maybe I prayed the right prayer type of God. God is in the heavens going like, this is my place. I am the creator of everything. This is my house. I've created the, the earth and the heavens. You are my child. Speak up. Come into my throne room boldly. You have access. You have a doorway, and you can talk to me anytime. You know, that famous saying that the only bravest person to wake, you know, to come into the king's meeting or to the president's office and interrupt a, an important meeting is a child. They go right in and tug on dad and say, I need to talk to you, dad. And they're not, they're not afraid of being rebuked because they have access through love. So I want you to stop. When you catch yourself groveling in prayer and kind of doing a fake humility and looking at the dirt, I, I challenge you to look up. I challenge you to say, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry, God, I forgot. You live in heaven, and Jesus taught us to pray to our Father in heaven. And put your chin up, 
look at the heaven. The Bible says, set your heart and mind on things above. So now you start thinking about heaven. Now you think you're praying differently because you're praying according to what the reality of heaven is and you're bringing it down to earth. So when there's trouble at work, you go, okay, God, there's trouble here, but you've placed me here and now I need some of those resources of heaven. Show me, give me wisdom to bring them down today and I'm going to bring a solution and an answer to, my, to those in authority in my life or those you're serving. I think not only is the Holy Spirit kind of uh, quenched, but I think it hurts God's feeling when we talk and act like orphans. Think about it. If you adopted someone into your family, you clothed them, you went to the judge, they signed on the line, forever yours. You said, I will provide, I will love, I will provide security. And then the next day you start acting like an orphan, walking around, I don't have anything, I got to fend for myself, I just better pull up my bootstraps and get this thing done. I think that's offensive to God. I think that hurts. If you were the parent, it would hurt your feelings. You say, no son, no daughter, I've already done everything for you. Stay here, let me provide for you, let me help you. You don't have to fight for yourself anymore. That's when you know you're shifting from an orphan to a son or daughter. That's our series, Living as Sons and Daughters in the Kingdom of God, is when you have less and less orphan-like tendencies. They can show up in your bank account. They can show up in your relationships. They can show up how you treat your body, how you think. But hanging around a loving father will rub that stuff out of your mind. And that's why we keep telling you to go back to the Word of God. Because this will help you align your life and your thought life. And it will kick that orphan thinking out of your life. And nothing kicks orphan thinking out of your life more than love. When you get loved on, you start feeling at home. You start going, oh man, I do have a place here. When you get accepted. So turn the love up. Who in your life can you turn the love up for? Start with your spouse if you're married. Start with your children if you have children. Turn the love up. Turn the temperature up. Be thermostats. Turn up the thermostat. Crank it. Last night I was in my house. I'm on the second story. I was getting hot up there. It's like, that's because the, temp, the thermostat's on the main floor, so it's a certain temperature there, but upstairs it's always two or three degrees more. I want to challenge you. Turn the temperature up. It's your job, fathers, to set the temperature. Men, it's your job to set that temperature nice and hot of love, compassion, acceptance, belonging, forgiveness. It's your job. You go first. Show your family what it's like to be loved. You don't have to be perfect. Just keep trying. Hmm. Pastor Mark, you want to go ahead and ask the children's ministry to start getting ready to come down? We're going to have a special a closing today with our children because I have a very clear way of illustrating the heart of the Father to you today. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 through 15 says, Then the people brought the little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on and to pray for them. But his disciples rebuked them. So here's these godly men, you know, these 12 awesome mighty apostles and they're just rebuking, get these kids out of here. They don't belong here. This is serious stuff. We're doing adult stuff right now. We're, we're, we're important. You know, we've been, we've been laid hands on. We, even demons have to do what we say. Get these kids out of here. 
I think they, they were missing the reality of what the Father's heart was. So Jesus had to do a little illustration, didn't he? Jesus is the master teacher. And he said, wait just a minute. It says, Jesus, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Yeah, let's go ahead and bring them on in, Mark. No problem. Does anybody have any extra material? <laughs> they didn't say I'd have to go an extra couple of minutes. Yeah, <laughs> ask my stepladder. What's that? <laughs> That's all I had. It was just a joke. But what we're going to do today is we're going to have the children come in. We're going to have the children come in with us. And if you're a parent here of one of these kids, we're going to invite you to come down with our, with our pastors up front here. And we're going to do a prayer of blessing over our kids. Because, you know, that's the heart of the Father is a blessing. As a, and we are a kingdom church. We're a church that has to represent what the kingdom of heaven looks like to our city. So we're going to do that this morning. But I like what Pastor Kevin says. He always says the gospel starts in the house or home. He said that, I think before I even flew out here, he, he, he was trying to teach me something. He said, above, you know, all the ministry, all the things you'll do, like, you know, like the church ministries and the programs, what really counts is can you live the gospel at home? If you can live the gospel at home, it'll survive in any culture. Because how many know home is the hardest place to practice all this unconditional love and all that? There they are. Come on in, kids. We can bring them all down here. All the age groups. And if you're online with us today, I just want to say God bless you and we love you. And we believe the Father's love is for you just as much for these people in this room. And we pray that you would bless your family and find your children and maybe their adult children and speak life over them, speak love to them and bless them in Jesus' name. So thank you for those online that are with us. We speak blessing over you and God bless you in Jesus' name.